1: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast that champions Scottish food and drink. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and every fortnight I'll be chatting to some of the best known names, producers, farmers and distillers in this diverse industry. From master blenders to local pub owners and celebrated chefs, Scran is your ultimate guide to eating and drinking your way around Scotland. In this episode, I'll be finding out about the Sea For Yourself campaign launched by SeaFish, a public body dedicated to supporting the fishing industry. It's all about encouraging us to cook and eat more fish caught in UK waters. Coming up, I chat to Rachel Green, chef and sea fish ambassador, who tells us why UK fish is an undervalued hidden gem.
2: UK fish, some of the safest food in the world as well, you know. It's good for you, it's safe. And, you know, as you say, traceability, seasonality, but it, it's properly managed and properly caught. And it is safe on your plate, you know. Jim Cowie also
1: joins me. He's the owner of the Captain Galley Seafood Restaurant in Scrabstown, and he tells us why sustainability and seasonality are key when choosing fish.
3: Keeping it local, the local fishmonger, he knows the seasons. He understands the industry. It's a job, and they've probably been in most. Of the, you know, traditional fishmongers have been in it a long time. When you shop locally. In a fishmonger, you're actually getting their experience and knowledge as
0: well. And that's so important.
1: Nick and is on hand to give us his cooking tip. This time, it's how to cook some fresh mussels.
0: Drain the mussels. Heat a large pan with a tight-fitted lid. Really hot. When it's hot, put the mussels in. Splash in a glass of white wine. Slam on the lid.
1: And finally, I discuss my lockdown food favourites and how to make a complimentary drink at home. And then we're going to add the tomato juice. And I don't know about anyone else but I like a little um, shot of Liam Perrins and some Tabasco. Just had a bit of spice and some flavour. Welcome back to Scram, and I'm really excited because this week is about an interesting topic. Eating and cooking local fish. Plus my guests joined me over video so it was really nice to see them face to face, albeit virtually. I think you'll agree that eating fish and seafood isn't something that we do enough of here in the UK. I'm definitely making a conscious effort to eat more local seafood at the moment by getting fresh fish deliveries. It's a really healthy food and it's very simple to cook. I'm speaking to Rachel Green, chef and sea fish ambassador, and also Jim Curry, owner of the Captain's Galley Seafood Restaurant based in Scrabster, Thurso. So, this episode of Scran, I'm joined by Rachel Green and Jim Cowie, and we're here to talk about Scottish seafood. This is uh, obviously a, a topic that is really interesting to me and a lot of other people and. I'm really keen to get some ideas of sustainability and how to cook fish and seafood at home because um, as you know in Scotland we have a lot of great seafood but I, I don't think I'm the only one that is who doesn't cook it as much as I probably should and maybe don't buy it as much as I should so um, we're just going to have a, a quick chat with them about all the benefits and how we can be eating more of it at home. I'm on, on a video call again for only the second time for Scram which is great so it's nice to see people and we're going to start with um, Rachel so hi Rachel how are you getting on?
2: I'm really well. Thanks ever so much, Ross, for inviting us on. It's uh, great to be able to come and talk about one of my passionate subjects.
1: Oh, it's fine. It's great. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing more about it. So, you're part of um, the Sea for Yourself campaign. So, can you just tell me a bit about it and what it's aiming to achieve?
2: Well, it's a new campaign uh, from Seafish, and Seafish is a public body that supports the fishing industry. It's really to inspire people in the UK to buy more fish, to cook more fish, and to to really sort of support the fishing industry really in the in the uk we're really good aren't we at going abroad eating masses of lovely sea fish and seafood abroad when we come back we just don't cook as much as we should do we don't get it on our plates and we all think about actually we must buy more fish but we we're not we're not doing that and we really need to get that that local british fish on our plate it's really important
1: um, and why do you think people don't cook at home as much with fish in the UK compared to other
2: countries? I think that people in the UK are very nervous about cooking fish. Uh, I think there's also, I think a lot of adults probably put their their fears of fish onto their children. So children often only see fish as fish fingers and maybe from the chip shop. And I think that there's lots of recipes out there and there's lots of help, but people don't see fish as a main Sort of source to go and buy when they go to a supermarket. And we should be eating fish at least three times a week. And that's very, very important. And fish isn't just haddock and cod, uh, it's lots of other things. You know, we've got shellfish, we've got wonderful oily fish. I mean, there's nothing nicer than a whole mackerel grilled on the barbecue with some soy and ginger. And we've got obviously got the white fish, we've got the seasonality of fish, um, which obviously Jim uh sees and knows a lot about up at your end of the uh, end of the country. But it's 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 just a huge, absolutely incredible bank of protein waiting for us, you know. And we're expecting, we're actually sending a lot of it abroad when we're not actually using it ourselves. We're an island at the end of the day, and I think it's such a shame. It really is. Yeah, it's um.
1: I've I've mentioned one of the things I've been cooking a lot in lockdown was a recipe from Sunday brunch, and it was a, a mackerel. Bolognese, so it's like in a tin. So the fish is in the tin, and you put it through a really nice tomatoey sauce, and it's cheap and it's really easy and it's really nice. But I was quite surprised because at first I thought, oh, fish in a bolognese, but it's really good.
2: I actually saw that recipe, and it is yeah, that sort of thing. And what we've got is we've got this incredible um booklet, and I mean, I'm a seafood ambassador, which you know I'm very grateful to be. But we've actually produced this really wonderful uh cookery book here, um which people get online, or and or they can get we get we we give it out a lot at festivals. And we've done some sort of really simple sort of dishes. So there's four of us all together. And this is actually one from Ben Bartlett, which is a cod cod and prawn burger. So I think it's really important when we're actually looking at recipes to actually do things that people recognize. There's a fish curry here. Everybody loves a curry and there's nothing nicer than a really great fish curry. And these recipes, you can swap the fish around. So in here, it could be hake, it could be cod, it could be haddock, it could be... It could be any of those sort of species. So uh, it, they're very flexible. And I think that's really important as well. But I think, especially for kids, it's it's really important to do things that they recognize and that they might like. I mean, I've got in there um, a street food dish, uh, which is flatbreads and fish and lovely spicy sauce with it. It's things that they'd really, really enjoy. And uh, I do a fish tagine. And when I go to festivals and things, I've often had people say, my husband doesn't like fish. That's why I never cook it. But he's just tried that and he's really enjoyed it. And I think it's sometimes thinking out the box as well, but also remembering that fish is one of those wonderful proteins that you can actually cook really simply just with some lemon, a little bit of oil on or butter, a few herbs, and you've got it on the plate in literally five minutes. So it's a very convenient food as well. And you've
1: mentioned um, UK on British uh, fish and seafood. Why would you say it's important to eat more UK caught seafood?
2: Well, I'm a shepherd. I'm, I'm, I'm also a farmer. So, you know, I, I come from this sort of thing that we have to support the fishing industry in this country. It's just, it's so important. There's so many jobs and, and people's livelihoods at risk if we don't. And for me, living very near Grimsby, a lot of my friends are involved in the fish processing and fish Um, marketing world it's so so very important it's healthy it's sustaining a british industry which for me is so so very important why would you why would you import so much other fish when we have got probably the best fish in the world around us and i think we we need to sort of recognize that it's it's very simple things that historically that we've always sort of enjoyed you know like near me chroma crabs the crab industry, when they're, they're exporting a lot of crab abroad, that's fallen. We've seen just, we've got to support it also because of the pandemic. We've seen we haven't been able to do that. We haven't been able to sell it in the direct markets that we did before. So we, as a country, need to support that industry. We don't want it to fail. Jim, I don't know what you think about that, but, you know, it's really, really important. People's livelihoods are at risk, really. Well, you
3: couldn't... <laughs> You couldn't uh, ask me for anything different from what you're saying, because I totally agree with every, absolutely every word you say, we've got to support, absolutely got to support, but we've also got to get out there and sell it, not accept that it is the best product in the world, but it needs to be sold.
1: And I I do think during this time that people have focused their mind more on on what's available locally to them, especially, you know, you've maybe, people have maybe not been going to the supermarkets as much and maybe going to, you know, ordering, I know myself, I've been ordering more local produce from an online supermarket based in Edinburgh and they've been, you know, driving through with some things that I would never normally have have bought. And uh, one of the things I am trying to do is um, introduce more fish into my diet because, I, I mean, I find it a little bit difficult not going to the supermarket, but I'm going to try my local fishmonger, but when I'm there, what kind of fish should I look out for that are caught around the
2: coastal waters of the UK? So obviously we've got our um, shellfish. We've got primarily, uh, well, in in Scotland, you've got the most incredible longestine. I mean, having lived up there, I do miss the supply. Um, But we've got wonderful mussels, we've got crabs, we've got um, oily fish, we've got mackerel, and we've got herring and... I mean I adore smoked fish as well I mean I come from near Grim- well, I come from Grimsby so for me smoked haddock around here so, some of the best dishes I do on my menus are uh, for me the local Grimsby smoked haddock which is uh, renowned worldwide um, so we mustn't forget smoked fish as well but obviously we've got white fish now that depends you know obviously um, we've got coli we've got hake we've got uh, souls, we've got. Which we've got. Lemons, we've got. Monkfish, we've got. Loads, and the it. The list is never ending. It really is. I mean, there's over a hundred different species of seafood and sea and um, fish in the in in the, in the caught in the UK waters, which is huge. I mean, you know, looking at all the other proteins we have, there isn't another protein that has that many that we have that much choice on. Um, I think people have also always seen fish um, A, difficult to cook, but B, they've seen it as expensive. But we have to remember that fish is a wild food and people risk their lives to go out and catch that food. It's not something that we just put into a, a tank in a field. You know, it's it's wild food. It has to be caught. So we must remember that when we're thinking that actually fish might be expensive. It isn't. But what it is, it isn't. It's very, very good value, I think. Jim, do you agree with that?
3: Well, every time there was a loss at sea, all hands, or a man overboard, my mother always, even as kids, my mother would always say it is, that's the place of fish.
2: It's really, really true, isn't it? So, you know, when we're thinking actually it might be expensive, we have to think that it's actually one of the most dangerous jobs in the world is to go and get fish for us to have on our plate. So we must remember that. So actually it's really, very, very good value. And it's so good for us as well. I mean, I always consider fish to be brain food, really. It's so very, very good for your brain. And there's so much you can do with it. And I think we have to get away from it looking at it. Oh, well, we've we've always had it with parsley sauce or we've always had it with this. Or fish is very good at taking on other flavours. The so one of my dishes that I absolutely love, and I, I love I'm, i love hague, I do this lovely Spanish hague and I do it with beans. So I, I I extend, you don't need quite as much fish and I have the beans with it. smoked paprika, lovely fresh tomatoes. And it's one of our favorite, we call it it spicy, smoky hake in our family. And it's like, let's have spicy hake, you know? So, and also perhaps thinking about the the dishes we do like, like fish and chips, but thinking how can we do those more healthily? So I do this lovely oven baked fish and chips. And instead of doing it with potatoes, I serve it with um, root vegetable chips and sometimes avocado chips. And then this really healthy mushy peas, which is frozen peas, a bit of mint, a bit of basil and a bit of oil all crushed up together. So you can think about it. You don't always have to, if it's a favourite dish you have, you can maybe think about doing it at home and slightly more healthily. So we've been trying to encourage that as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and for anyone who's not really keen to go out to shops quite yet, what are the options for buying fresh fish or getting it delivered direct to your door? Is that something that's quite widely available?
2: It, well, it is around here and it, it is are a lot of vans. And my fishmonger and um, the great Rob Stansfield, um, he has never been as busy with his vans that come and fill up on a Monday and go all, all over the UK selling where they say Grimsby fish from here. So I also know various pubs when they were closed, had fish vans in their pub car park selling. I know particularly in Sussex, a friend of mine said, oh, I've never eaten as much fish. I've been going to the car park to buy my fish. So, you know, let's hope as a nation that we've learned from this pandemic. We've learned that actually the best food you can buy is local British food. And let's keep supporting those people. Let's not just all switch back to what we were doing before. Let's think about where we buy our food from. Let's think where where else can we source apart from the big multiples.
1: And uh, you've mentioned a couple of recipes, Rachel, but um, what what is the main advice you would give to someone who's not used to cooking with fish?
2: The main advice I would give is never overcook it. So If you think it's nearly there, take it off because it will continue cooking. If you overcook fish, you might as well eat cotton wool because it just, you, and there is no going back from that. And fish is always better if it's just slightly undercooked. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you, hopefully you'll agree with me, but just when it's cooked, keep it simple if you haven't done anything before also try and pick ingredients that you you, that that you're really fond of so um well I really love curry so I'm going to do sort of like a little kind of curried fish dish or I really like a little bit of ginger and soy so I might do or I might try that Chinese fish so you're, you're actually already a little bit there because you're loving the ingredients that are going with the fish as well I know that sounds a bit sort of basic, but I think that's quite important. Also remember that you fish is really great on a barbecue. So people are doing a lot of outside cooking, they're doing a lot of barbecuing. I'm a massive, I love just very simple um, baked fish with roasted vegetables and some garlic mayonnaise. I know that sounds again very simple, but and go go on the website, go on, go on on the on the seafish website and look at this recipe book it's uh seafish.org and you've got a whole load of wonderful recipes in there from us all Um, we've even got um a barbecued seafood pizza so got hedgery and yeah and don't forget actually fish isn't just for perhaps lunch or supper it's fantastic at breakfast as well
1: yeah, your traditional Scottish kippers and stuff. I don't know if I've ever had that in my life, but you always have it at hotels
2: and think I should try it one well, day. You've got to, but um, I'll tell you what is lovely for brunch. And again, very simple. Um, I've got a great recipe for smoked haddock kedgery, Um And we had that for supper last night, actually, because I thought, what have I got? But I've always have uh, smoked haddock in my freezer. so I took that out um, and we just made a great big pan of smoked haddock kedgeree. Uh, and my son they will everybody will be having the leftovers for lunch today but um yeah simple simple ideas but uh, a really great sort of tool for people to help help them i also think it's always easy if you're not sure about cooking fish if you have a nice picture as well you know that helps you sort of think oh mm, well that's how it's supposed to look so I, I think that helps as well but you know be it be a little bit adventurous um and enjoy it I think that's that's the thing. Get that fish on your plate. Support the British fishing industry and all the other um, businesses that are associated with it. And it's healthy.
1: And I love fish. I can, yeah, no, it's, it's it's interesting to hear all that because I'm kind of thinking to myself with some of the things you've mentioned there, you would maybe normally use chicken, so like a curry or... That kind of thing. So maybe people could think, you know, where you would maybe normally use chicken, like why not just try it with fish? Because, you know, you can get like teriyaki chicken. Why not try teriyaki salmon or that kind of thing? So, yeah.
2: yeah. I think that's uh, that's what I was really trying to say. Think of you being the dishes you like or the ingredients you like and actually just transport fish into that. So we got I've got a lovely fish tagine in here as I was talking about that. That again is so simple and so lovely, and but the great thing about fish is it cooks very quickly, so you get you get your you get your supper on or, or your dinner or, or lunch or whatever it might be on your plate really quickly as well. Um, I think the other thing that people struggle with sometimes is they don't like the thought of cooking the smell of fish in their home, but proper fresh fish does not smell of fish; it smells of the sea. So. Um, it's about buying the freshest possible um, and also when you go if you go to a fishmonger or you go and you have you buy from a guy who might come to your door whatever ask these guys what they think as well. you know they've got a wealth of knowledge as well so it's like going to a butcher and asking him well what do you think? they also will help you. They really will because they're keen to sell their product. they really are. If you're going to ask me what my favorite fish is apart from smoked haddock, it's place. I love place. I like the ones with the black skin. That's mm-hmm. what I love. What
1: What drinks would you recommend that would go well with fish? Because you know everyone sort of thinks white wine, but is there anything else that
2: you would recommend? I, I like a beer with 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 fish. So if you think about perhaps if you're going, uh, you're in uh, Spain and you're sitting on a beach. Um, my other thing I'm passionate about is I love squid as well. I absolutely love squid. So if you were having something like really delicious squid. Um, a beer goes really well with that. Really, really well. A nice ice cold lager will be absolutely fantastic. Or if it's breakfast time, a Bloody Mary. <laughs> I love spicy Bloody Marys.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. With a great
2: big crab sandwich. Oh, how fantastic oh, would
1: that be? Nice. Yeah, that'd be a great combination actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're we're a bit of a bloody Bloody Mary freaks in our house, but we have it with um, we we love a crab sandwich i love a really lovely crab sandwich or a big prawn sandwich Yeah, but Mm. crab is lovely again very easy meat just to throw into something really is great with pasta with rice just absolutely fantastic
1: um and what would you say are the rewards that come with cooking fish regularly well
2: obviously you're adding a lot of healthy um healthiness to your diet um obviously good for your heart particularly oily fish Uh, the benefits of that are huge and we we must regularly think about that it's very good for your digestion as well it's really good it's very easy on the system you know but also isn't it quite nice to push the boundaries if you're not really a fit even not very you know you don't often cook fish so but you might always for example cook a, cook a, a risotto Well, why don't you make a lovely fish risotto
1: Oh, well, it's, um, yeah, like I say, the, the Bolognese I've been making over lockdown has started off not sure about it. And I think we've been having it at least once a week for the last, I don't
2: know how many weeks. It's brilliant. And we must have to get frozen fish as well. You know, there's some very good products, great frozen fish. So having frozen fish in your freezer is is a way of, of um, not worrying about buying it, you know, if you can't get hold of it, in sometimes in a, a sort of fresh way. So but I always put smoked haddock in my freezer. I always have. A bit of cod or haddock, or maybe I also like coley. So I often have that fish cakes. I'll have it there. I make fish cakes quite a lot. So what I do is make fish cakes and then I freeze them individually and then put them in a bag, um, so I can just take them out as we need them, which again is quite quite a useful thing to do. So, um, well, thank you, Rachel. We'll
1: come back to you for the Desert Island Drinks and the quick fire round, but I'm just going to speak to Jim a little bit um, about different types of fish that are caught locally and and um
2: sustainability i did so, want to ask, I add one thing about sustainability for me and i yeah. know jim will obviously do do his thing but um for me sustainability is also about thinking about eating the whole fish so you know we often are very good at sort of saying we want um, a fillet of this or whatever but eating the whole fish adds to that whole sustainability package so i eat as many as much whole fish as I, as I possibly can as i was talking about whole mackerel um that that sort of thing the moment you fillet it you you have you have got an element of waste there
1: yeah and people might you know with a whole fish do you find it obviously you'll know because you're a chef but if you weren't really sure is it quite easy to sort of get the bones and things out because I think bones are some one of the things that people are kind of
2: funny about aren't they yeah, I think the more you actually eat the whole fish, the more you will kind of, you know, appreciate it and, and sort of understand it. So, uh, yeah, no, the, there is that issue and I understand that and some people don't like to do it. But if you really want to think about the sustainability, then eating the whole fish is a good way of doing it.
1: So, hi, Jim, how are you? How are you up there? Um, how's the weather? How are you getting on?
3: I'm just looking at the, the window here. <laughs> it's a beautiful day and the bird feeders are absolutely cramp. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely
2: to watch. I've got a kingfisher down here. Oh, nice. In, on my on my river. I've got a river going through my garden and I've got a pair of kingfishers. So I always feel very blessed when I see those, but probably won't be anything like the birds you've got up there.
1: So uh, definitely been a time for just watching things more this lockdown. Yeah, not looking down at your phone, but looking up mm-hmm. and seeing everything around you, yeah. So, Jim, what types of fish are sourced from local fishermen at the Captain's Galley?
3: Well, one of the things I feel we're so fortunate... Uh, and it's quite important in the broader aspect of the marketing uh, locally bought UK fish, is the diversity in the fishing. The the fact that we're even better placed in Scrabster, but UK, uh, Scotland, maybe more so slightly, uh, is the variety of fish. And that's mainly because no, there's, there, it's, it's the biggest multi-species uh, fishery in the world. And uh, that's not by accident. There's, there's a lot of different uh, types, sizes of boats, types of boats, uh, methods of fishing, depth of water. Uh, to me, rather than say, what, what is my favourite fish? I would say I couldn't. I wouldn't want to name one because I would be doing d- down all the other the others. So I think the the key for us is a multi-species. And of a of a a wee saying I always use to people. And uh, Rachel brushed on it there earlier when she was talking about curries and different things. I think she's absolutely right. And I always say, there's a fish for every dish and a dish for every season. (laughs) Any dish you want to make, there's a fish for it. And it's fantastic. And you talk about hakes, you talk about saith. They've all got something different that they take to the, the plate. And it just makes it so exciting. And as far as cooking it is concerned, nothing more. Just keep it simple.
1: So you've mentioned like the sort of different depths and things of water, like where you are. Does that mean, you know, you've said a lot of different species, but if if you know someone was coming up to the captain's galley now that we can all travel here, yeah, what, what kind of things, you know, do you have on the menu in terms of like what is, what's what has been caught? Does it depend on sort of the, the obviously seasons and things, but could you just kind of explain that a wee bit more for people that don't really know?
3: Absolutely. it's It's quite simple. Tonight's menu, it all depends on what's landed locally. It's got to come out, it's got to be landed in scabster People we have our ethical environmental policy. We source everything within 50 mile radius of the restaurant. Some people say it is not a bit restrictive. Just give it a little bit of thought and it's we're spoiled for choice. It's an unbelievable supply we have. I've seen as we a menu of three three to four Entrees, three to four intermediates, three to four main courses before the desserts, and I love the high teens to 20 different species of fish mm-hmm. on the menu. Now, as an example, we very often have duos and trios. So, three different fish on the dish, on the one dish. Mm-hmm. I often say to people, Tell me three meats that you could put together like that. It's so easy and versatile to work with.
1: Sounds good. And uh, why would you say is it important that people buy locally sourced seafood?
3: Well, it is. There's, there, there. It's a win-win-win. They're supporting the local infrastructure. They're supporting local jobs. They're supporting the local fishermen, and also they're getting guaranteed some of the healthiest, finest, tastiest food they could ever could ever eat listening to Rachel earlier and I mean I laughed at myself I quite often find myself about Thursday in the week and I'll think back and I think my goodness I haven't had anything but fish this week yet
1: (laughs) which is good because I don't think many people like the whole point in this is to say not many people are in that situation we're probably thinking oh sometimes I'll think I've not had enough vegetables or something this week but I certainly don't think about that but we really should because you're right it's so tasty and fresh and easy and yeah it's definitely definitely worth um, getting more into. Um, and Jim how do you work with the seafood industry in Case and beyond?
3: As I said I'm spoiled for location and uh, it's it's a local I mean I've got the benefit as well that I've worked Uh, over 50 years in the fishing industry. Although it's a seafood restaurant I've got, I still class myself in the fishing industry. And I go back so far with so many fishermen. And uh, my father was a fisherman. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm deep right in the heart of the fishing industry. And uh, I just wouldn't want to have it any other way. And uh, so, so I've got a Tremendous rapport with the fishermen, who I class as my closest among my closest. In fact, here's an example. We're twenty, just short of twenty years open in the galley, and I still, I still tell people I have more fishermen friends than chef
0: friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are the uh, environmental benefits of buying UK caught seafood?
3: Well, for for the first thing we we have no food miles I think I think the environmental benefits are tenfold. I mean you take sustainability into it you know and it's all been landed locally within our shores and uh, you know it's cutting out so much pollution. you know if, if we just give it a bit of thought just and I mean okay you could say people could say well that's all very well for me being so long in the fishing industry. Ask your local fishmonger, the local, you know, keeping it local, the local fishmonger, he knows the seasons, he understands the industry. It's a job and they've probably been in most, you know, traditional fishmongers have been in it a long time. When you shop locally in a fishmonger, you're actually getting their experience and knowledge as well. And that's so important.
1: So, would you say that's the, probably the best place to go for your fish—is your local fishmonger rather than the supermarket?
3: Every time, absolutely every time. Yes, trust them, and, and don't be frightened to ask them.
1: We've kind of touched on this with Rachel, but what are your tips um, to get that you'd give someone cooking seafood at home?
3: I think I think one of the things—it's uh, important—cook what you like. Obviously, talking to so many people because everybody wants to talk about fish seafood with me and 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 cooking maybe when it when I'm going around the tables of the restaurant or meeting people outside and uh, I'll, I'll be asking them what they're cooking or what they've tried to cook and that and uh, I to me it's 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 lovely in a way because they're seeing they're seeing some of the celebrity chefs on television and trying to copy, a really a complicated dish, but I just feel you know, just relax, enjoy yourself, keep it simple, and cook for the flavor. To me, number one, two, and three of importance in seafood seafood and cooking seafood is flavor, flavor, and flavor. One, two, and three. Not how high can I stack it and how wonderful can I make it look? And wonder when it's on the plate in front of you, do I eat this or do I photograph it?
1: <laughs> Which happens a lot these days.
3: <laughs> not, not in the captain's galley. <laughs> the other point when it comes to sustainability, I feel quite strongly about sustainability because I think it's an absolute empty word that is overabused. Because people just cling on to, oh yes, it's sustainable. Sustainable, sustainability, what I believe with the and we have it in the captain's galley, it's five pillars. The pillars are seasonality, simplicity, traceability, integrity, and they together, that's what forms sustainability. So seasonality to me is a key to sustainability. That's where you can get the advice. That's where the fishmonger can help. Keep it simple and enjoy. Enjoy. It's a social occasion, and you enjoy. That's why a paella is such a fantastic thing. Everybody's interacting, and the pan goes in the middle of the table. When people come to our house for a meal, that's what they get, a paella. The integrity is how you look after the food. You know, we talk about shellfish, crabs, lobsters. I mean, they're alive. You have to treat that. You have to treat that humanely, and, and 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 if you do, you're rewarded. To me, we have a rule of thumb myself in the restaurant. Nothing stays live in our fridge. Nothing ever. If a lobster, we deal with it humanely and quickly. Same with crab. And. That way, I feel you don't stress it. Nothing in this world gives us the right to be cruel to anything, any other animal. A stressed meat in any animal, in a field or in the sea, is not good.
1: Yeah, I um, I recently got some fresh scallops delivered from, um, I don't know if you know Guy Grieve, who does who hand-dye scallops up in Mull. Yeah. Um, I stupidly didn't realise that they obviously were going to be alive because obviously they're alive and they were kind of like, you know, moving about and things. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> but it was fine. We, we, we sorted it quite quickly. But I think, yeah, I think people need to bear that in mind. If you buy fresh shellfish, it will be alive. And uh, yeah, just to prepare for that.
3: <laughs> and we, as I said, that's what I feel. Integrity is a very important part of sustainability. And and traceability is is equally as important, and it's it's all uh, to me. It's all about local traceability. I mean, in knowing where your fish has come from, I think is so important. There there's a situation you were in. Apart from the fact that what you remember about the scallops, you know the first name of the guy that you got them from.
1: Yeah, and his sons. <laughs>
3: There's nothing more important to me. And that to me is all about sustainability. And Mm. the different methods of fishing, people will say, oh, one's not sustainable. You mentioned the diving scallops, Dredgers, all the redger scallops, which sometimes get frowned upon. I know know guys have been dredging scallops for 35 to 40 years. Well, I mean, if it wasn't sustainable, (laughs) How is it lasting 40 years?
1: Yeah. Um, And this is a question for both of you. Um, What would you say is the biggest misconception with seafood within the public? Like, is it to people? Do you think people think it's expensive or hard to cook?
3: I don't feel it's expensive as a food, as a commodity. It shouldn't be sold cheap. It shouldn't be sold cheap. People risk their lives catching it and they. Stack it high, sell it cheap, and what do you do? You just ruin the stocks. So I think taking it from us, a sustainable fishery, right through. I think we should be honest with 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 the public.
2: I think I think it's getting that message out. Uh, actually, that it, as I said before, it's a wild food, mm-hmm. and it has to be caught. It's not there. You have to look for you have. It's an art. It's an art finding where the fish is. It's a wild food. And I think that's a very important message to get across to people. And I totally agree with Jim. There is no way, I mean, fish, it should not be a cheap commodity. It, it It isn't, as he said, and I said previously, people risk their lives for that. And also for people to understand that as a wild food, you know, sometimes it might be there, sometimes it might not be. And to look within the recipe and be adaptable. You know, a recipe is a guideline. Would you agree with me, Jim?
3: Absolutely, and never, never think you have to stick with it. If there's a hair, but you don't fancy, well, put one instead that you do.
2: Absolutely, like- absolutely. But also within that recipe, if it's a recipe for cod, then you've got you don't have to use cod. It can be any other white fish. Mm-hmm. And and as Jim said earlier, it's so easy um, to actually transfer the use of one fish to another. Um, and as you were saying, you know, if I quite fancy. Uh, a chicken dish. Could I make, could I make it with fish? And as, as Jim said, yes, there is a dish for every fish, which I thought was a fun, fantastic slogan. I think we should take you up on that one. <laughs> that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Do you find though, I mean, maybe not up with where you are. And I go to a lot of the food festivals. So I'm seeing people on the ground, really. People are still wary of cooking fish. They, they're worried that they, because they see it And as I say, we said it shouldn't be seen as, but as something that is a little, perhaps a little bit more expensive. Well, it's going to be more expensive. They're frightened of ruining it, you know, so they are slightly still wary. And I think we've got to get over that. And we've got to, as Jim said, keep it simple. That's that's the big message, isn't it?
3: One of the things I often get when I go around at the tables in the restaurant, which I really like to do, because I always like talking to people and meeting people, and that, but they and they'll say to me, "Oh, were you the guy that came up with that magic?" And I just look, there's no, there's no magic. There's absolutely <laughs> no magic. And, and uh, another thing I feel strongly about. So I say to them, I give more credit to the fisherman than I do the chef.
2: <laughs> I agree with you. It's the food producer, isn't it? It's the guy getting that food to you, um, yep. and we can easily we can easily mess it up. But if it's you know, we're lucky that we can get some fantastic produce. I feel very grateful that I live very near the market, so I'm lucky.
3: There's one thing I feel for certain: you can very easily make a good fish bad. It's absolutely impossible to make a bad fish good.
2: (laughs) I'm coming up. I'm coming up for paella. Definitely. (laughs) I think we all are.
3: (laughs) are You've used me. (laughs) uh, The the only thing I can't guarantee you right now is what what will be in it because it'll just be whatever has landed on the day.
2: How fantastic is that? I'm definitely going to come and see you. You'll even
3: meet the fisherman. You'll you'll even meet the fisherman.
2: Am I allowed to come up then? I haven't been up your way for, for many years, so definitely, I'm oh. on my way. Yeah, yeah.
3: and I Always think that's really it. good,
2: you know, and it's really, really great that um to do such sort of a dish like that and sharing it, you know, so what a lovely, lovely thought, you know, sharing a great big dish of locally caught fish. Oh, I can see it now, steaming
1: away. Yeah, I think they certainly
2: think we're all now quite hungry for
1: lunch. <laughs> Um, so there's a, a couple of um parts of the cod the cod pad, I was about to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> I'll try that again. Um there's a couple parts of the podcast we we ask everybody, um and the first one is Desert Island drinks. So um okay, Jim, if you could only take three drinks onto a desert island, what would they be and why?
3: When you mean three drinks
1: Anything could be any. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. It could be any drinks.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be boring. I would say, where are we going to have seafood in the island? Yes. <laughs> well, definitely water, good, fresh, clean uh, w- water, and a r- nice dry white wine and a light bread
2: nice chilled red a nice chilled red
3: one that you can't chill a pinot noir or something like that and a nice chilled dry must be dry white wine and sounds good and and gallons of water
2: (laughs) and rachel i have to say i was going to say water as well but some really really great water you know because you can do so much with that so that's really important mine has to be a bloody mary because I absolutely love a bloody Mary, he's laughing at me. But I love a bloody Mary, um, very spicy. I'd like to. I have to take all my bits with me. Always put a bit of horseradish in there, and I'd like that with some of my shellfish. But I think also a really great rose for me, a, a, a lovely rose from from Provence, probably. But then it's difficult because I always like a cup of tea. So I'd like to take my tea bag, my tea with me. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> find a few herbs on the island to chuck into some boiling water. So you're very brave,
3: Rachel. I was going to say coffee, but I thought I better not.
2: <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. So I like I like my I like my old grey black. So that was that'd be okay. There wouldn't be any milk anyway.
3: I love oh. your honesty.
2: <laughs> oh, there's one thing you'll always get from me: straight up talking. But I'm I'm definitely on my way to see you because it's got to be it's got to be a must. I I have actually been your way before, but it is the most beautiful part, and um, it's lovely that you were talking about your relationship with the fisherman. I think that's I have such a great relationship with my uh, fishmonger and a lot of the guys on Grimsby Market, and they're such characters, um, and they work so hard as well, and I I I've utmost respect for all of them. Anybody involved in the industry, it's not. It's a, hard, it's a tough industry. And, they, and, and they, they know,
3: you know, that's the thing that I feel it, a message that doesn't always get across. They don't only know about seasonality and sustainability, they live it and breathe it. Absolutely. But, and, of course, they have quotas, strict quotas to stick to. And, and uh, okay. so this is all good to be managed out between quotas, between seasons. And and what the market's gonna dictate.
2: And the weather. I mean, that's a yeah, big thing, big. isn't it, as well. Yeah. You know, and keeping keeping everyone safe as well on board, you know, there's so many things. I went on a boat out of IMAL many, many years ago for 48 hours and I saw for myself how it was. And but it was a treasured moment in my life. Hard, but really treasured. So many years ago when i was a young girl but it was a fantastic experience
3: yeah there's another example who a lot of the you mentioned earlier rachel about the difficulty with some of the markets just now with the pandemic and obviously shellfish has won and uh there have been a wee bit of a difficulty the prawn as we call prawners uh, which is the langoustine the scottish langoustine to me which was one of the most wonderful, best thing in the world. Absolutely, and a lot of that boats are diversifying now and putting new different gear on and going, eh, targeting squid. I
2: love squid. Very so, underrated. So and so, good value.
3: you yeah. know. So there's a business here to run as well, and they've got yeah. to be. They're they're mindful that they've got to you know pay their crew and keep their businesses going. Same way the bigger boats, eh, fishing all There'll be a all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for where they catch haddock, then then they start spawning. Of course, they're so so they leave them then, and then a few months after that, they're back and there's uh, a fantastic squid fishery. Mm-hmm. And the important thing for that, it's a non squota species, so so it 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 means that it's giving the fishermen a wee bit of a break. Mm-hmm. On their on their quotas and and uh it's, so it's it's a valuable uh, income to their annual uh, gross catch you know fisheries like that
2: I think we also need to say Jim don't we that you know UK fish and I said it earlier some of the safest food in the world as well you know it's good for you it's safe and you know as you say traceability seasonality but it, it's properly managed and properly caught and it is safe on your plate you know and we can't say that about all the food in the world
1: especially given what's maybe about to happen with food standards <laughs> exactly
3: well that's the, the other thing i feel rachel you're absolutely so right there is that it is it is so well monitored as well and Absolutely. You know, when, when people come to me and say to me about different species and what should I eat and what shouldn't I eat, I, I kind of almost say, well, look, don't worry about it. They're so well managed and monitored that eh, that's all done before it comes to you.
2: And well, with what's happened in the world and where, you know, what's happening in other markets in the world that aren't safe, And we are not taking advantage of this incredible, as you say, incredible, varied amount of species of fish in our waters that's safe. You know, we have to look. We have to eat from home. That's where it has to be. We have to do that.
3: It's the way forward. Do you you eat a Scottish prawn from lovely cold waters of the north atlantic or do you get them farmed from the most polluted waters in the world
2: (laughs) i tell you what i can taste a scottish langoustine now when i used to live in edinburgh for six years of my life and i do a lot of catering up there i was a student there at catering college and for me there is nothing quite like a scottish langoustine that sweetness in fact my mouth's watering at the thought of a plate of those with a great big piece of lemon and some mayonnaise, homemade mayonnaise. Oh, I would be in in prawn heaven.
3: (laughs) One of the fantastic things also about the UK in general, especially even possibly more so, and I feel in the, the North Highlands, Scotland, is we have very definite seasons. Yeah. You know, we have a winter, spring Summer and autumn, and that is so important, so important. And it's another way when you're eating seafood, is you're not going to have a heavy braised uh, dish in the middle of summer, but but that's that's part of what I mean. A fish for every dish, dish for every season. You're having your mackerels. You're having your light cold food. And that's important as well. And that's important for us as uh, uh, to keep healthy. It's you go into the supermarket and get a strawberry in January and it tastes like a turnip.
2: <laughs> well, the cardboard it comes in. <laughs> in fact, the cardboard might taste better. <laughs> but I think we will go back to some of this. We have to look at what we have available in this incredible island that we live in. You know, we are islanders and we should be eating more fish. We really should be. And it's getting people to put it on their plate. They think about it, but it's getting it to do it. And you have, you know, you, you don't always have to buy it fresh. You get some very good frozen products if you're in a place that it's more difficult to get it. Have it in your freezer. There's always some frozen smoked haddock in my freezer. And that's why we had the kedgeree last night.
3: Rosalind, you mentioned earlier about the, the, the wh- why we should eat or 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 buy fish out of the local fishmonger as opposed to the local as or, opposed or to the supermarket well there's an example of a uh, what the, the how fortunate I feel I am we get scampi from a local supplier uh, Bannerman Seafood they get it in the northwest, down the Minch, and the, the boats fishing the Minch and down the west coast there. Bob and Ian started at the same time in the industry as myself in the 60s. I would be up buying fish in Loch where Bob and Ian would be up getting their prawns. And, I, and I've kept in touch, and their sons, Ross, is, is working in... Is, Taking over a bit now, and I often say to people, I I just can't go to anybody else <laughs> to mm. buy to buy scalpy. and that's very much life in the highlands, and that's the traceability, that's what's the, the important, that's the traceability. I know exactly where 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 the fish come from. I know the processes going mm. through. It's all very very important.
1: Jim, can I just stick with you? We've got one one quick fire round left. So if you, if I am going to ask you five questions about food, if you just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, if that's okay. Okay.
3: Am I not getting a clue?
1: <laughs> right, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Whenever I'm hungry, I think of... Fish. Comfort food for me is... Fish. <laughs> my favourite childhood dessert is...
3: Unfortunately, I can't say fish. Milk puddings. puddings.
1: My food heaven is...
3: Paella, in my own (laughs) home.
1: And my food hell is...
3: Not being able to get fish.
1: (laughs) And now, Rachel, I'll come to you now if you're ready. I am. Whenever I'm hungry, I think of... Fish and chips. Comfort food for me is... it's Squid. My favourite childhood dessert is... Queen of puddings. My food heaven is...
2: Oh, gosh, that's a very difficult one. I really, really love a lovely piece of um, grilled Dover sole with lemon and parsley and lashings of butter and capers.
1: And my food hell is? Celery. Oh, so you don't have celery in your bloody meaty? Eh? I do, actually,
2: but I, I don't need <laughs> like to anymore, I have to say. I was actually trying to think what would be my food hell. Actually, can I change that? Licorice. Okay. I absolutely hate licorice. I couldn't even get it anywhere near me. Okay, that's great. Is there anything else we want to touch on or the only thing I would like to say is that I realize that possibly buying fish from a a multiple from a supermarket might not be unless it's a lot of them have wet counters now. Mm-hmm. Um I think to get people to buy fish, they they will but sometimes they will often buy it from a supermarket, so I think it is also to encourage the multiples to support the British fishing industry and flag up which is their British fish probably on their fish counters would help. Yeah, that would be
1: helpful. Just,
2: just a thought, because a lot of people do go there, and I, it's very easy for German for myself because we're kind of we've got the we we can do we can, but sometimes people, particularly in the centre. the uk might struggle a little bit more so we need to encourage those multiples to support the industry more not just by saying they're doing it but actually physically doing it so showing what's british on their counter and encouraging the sales of that british fish
1: yeah that would be good then jim i'll definitely be up to visit you i was in scrabster last year getting the ferry over to orkney and i wish i'd known i could have come in
3: we're right in front of the Ferry terminal.
1: I think I was running late as well. So I was just like trying to get the car on the ferry.
2: I'm definitely coming up, but you're all welcome here. Come down yeah, to yes. uh-huh. smoke havoc.
3: You're not going to get seen a- the smoke houses. Rachel, the bad news you're not going to get Dover Soul. I'll give you a witch, but you'll love I it.
2: I like witch. I love <laughs> witch, actually. But you know, a Dover Soul always kind of reminds me of my dad many years ago. Um, he, he, it was always his favorite. So it always reminds me of daddy. So.
3: I when the Morvan Sea Salt had their hundred and thirtieth anniversary, they took a food book a, book, a cookbook out.
2: They did, yeah.
3: And, and they. Are you in there? They, sorry.
2: Are you in there?
3: Yeah, they asked me. They've actually put two two of my dishes, and one of them was a megram sole, but I baked it in salt.
2: Oh, how amazing! How amazing and how simple and delicious is that? So,
3: the best I, part is when you crack, when you take it out of the oven and crack the salt and yeah. take it off, and you get the, ah,
2: the smell. smell. Yeah. I'm really hungry. I know, so am I. <laughs> Can't see some paella. <laughs> I think I've got 500 miles to drive to you, Jim, but I'm on my way.
3: Oh, uh, well you might see me down there as I said yeah I absolutely love
2: that area love Any, that. yeah I'm I'm in the, right in the heart of the Lincolnshire worlds um in great farming country here so right thank you very much um Rachel and Jim that was a great chat about
1: um British seafood and fish and I'm really looking forward to trying some of the recipes you've um, you've mentioned and hopefully coming to visit both of you soon. so thank you very much for your time. Thank you.
3: Thank you. very much a pleasure.
1: That was a really interesting conversation with Rachel and Jim. I think both Rachel and I are really keen to try your paella, Jim. So we'll hopefully see you soon. I think some of the main takeaways from that for me are it's important to shop not only from your local fishmonger, but also be mindful about checking seasonality and where fish has come from in your local supermarket. When cooking, it's great to know that you can slightly change recipes too. So for example, if you don't like cod, try swapping it for haddock. As Jim said, there's a fish for every dish. I'll link on Entail, our interactive podcast platform, to some sea fish recipes that Rachel mentioned. The discussion around sustainability was also really interesting, especially that by eating local fish we are avoiding transportation pollution. It's also great to hear that there is responsible sourcing regulation in the UK that protects stock from depreciating. I'm going to definitely try and avoid fish that are imported far and wide and instead enjoy what the UK has to offer. There were also some key points about traceability. And now knowing that UK fishermen risk their lives to catch their stock is really eye-opening and makes me realise as a consumer how important it is to support this industry and the workers that are part of it. Next up, Nick Nairn is back with his cooking tip. This time it's how to prepare and cook mussels, which is a lot easier than you might expect.
0: Well, well, every single bit of seafood has a different set of instructions. For instance, razor clams are really tricky to cook because they don't take more than about 30 seconds of cooking. Mussels, on the other hand, are quite forgiving. Um, so I'll tell you how to cook mussels. You wash the mussel, mussels and leave them to soak for 20 minutes and they'll purge themselves. And then you de-beard them and you discard any that are broken. Drain the mussels, heat a large pan with a tight fitted lid, really hot. When it's hot, put the mussels in, slosh in a glass of white wine, slam on the lid and it'll all start steaming and, and steam will come out everywhere and make lots of noise. And then as the mussels open, they release liquid and they'll cool the pan down. Once it stops steaming, you need to keep the lid on until you see the steam coming back out again. It depends on the heat, depends on the amount of mussels, but it's about five minutes or so. When the lid starts to lift and bubble again, drain them into a sieve and that's how you cook perfect mussels. Then you can go on to flavour them with lots of different things. So classic mou mariniere, strain the, the liquor. Uh, return it to a pan, reduce it down, add some cream, add some chopped garlic, add some chopped parsley, squeeze a lemon, maybe a little bit of lemon zest, and then return the mussels and and toss them through to coat them in the marinara sauce.
1: Thanks Nick, mussels are a food favourite of mine so I'm looking forward to trying this at home. Finally, here's my lockdown food and drink of choice which you can try at home. Welcome back to my kitchen in Glasgow. My lockdown cuisine of the last couple of weeks has, incidentally, featured a lot of seafood. I got delivery of fresh hand-dived scallops and rope-grown mussels from Guy Grieve and his sons. Guy owns the Ethical Shellfish Company and would normally supply restaurants and hotels but is now offering a home delivery service. I think it was about 6 hours from sea to plate for my scallops, which despite having seen Guy shuck them on The Great Food Guys, the BBC show, I had some trouble but got there in the end and it was well worth it. I also picked up half a lobster and salad from Old Salties on Byers Road who've opened up an outdoor barbecue area and I picked up fish and chips from 1051 GWR who've been offering free meals for NHS, key workers and the elderly throughout this time. Which is brilliant because they're located really close to Garton Hospital so it's been good for people to pick that up. After Rachel's chat about a Bloody Mary I think I'm definitely going to need to make myself one of them for my lockdown drink this episode. As she said, it complements a crab sandwich really well, but I also think it complements any kind of seafood. And um, especially if you're a fan of tomato juice, then obviously it's a great one to try for brunches and and just to almost feels more like a meal in itself. Um, So it's quite good to have in the morning. You can kind of justify having a wee shot of vodka. Something that I've come across recently, which I've really enjoyed is a new launch from a Scottish company called Tongue and Peat. And it is a peat smoked tomato juice. You might have read about it on the Scotsman Food Drink site because I wrote about it, I think, last month. So, there, that's really good. Um, it's not too smoky or peaty, um, so that shouldn't put you off. It just adds like a real depth of flavour to the tomato juice and is great with a Scottish vodka. And I think the one that I had with that when I tried it was a holy grass vodka. Um, so, that's, uh, that's what I'm going to be making today to have a nice brunch, Bloody Mary, to be enjoyed with some seafood. So, obviously, I'm going to have to grab some ice. And get a shot of vodka. Give that a stir. And then we're going to add the tomato juice. And I don't know about anyone else, but I like a little um, shot of Liam Perrins and some Tabasco, just add a bit of spice and some flavour. And although it wasn't Rachel's favourite thing, I think uh, Bloody Mary definitely needs some celery, so I'll just grab some of that. And there you go, a Scottish smoky Bloody Mary. Cheers! thanks again to my guests Rachel Green, Jim Cowie and Nick Nairn and of course thanks to you for listening to this episode of Scran. I'll be back on August the 14th which incidentally is my birthday. Until then please rate and review us. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and remember to follow me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. Like any foodie a five-star review is what we are after so please get rating Scran. This is a laudable production and you can get Scran wherever you download your podcasts. But for interactive content, including guest pictures and other related links, download the Entail app, which is available on Android and Apple. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited, and mixed by Morvin McIntyre.